Now, we have been in a series these past few weeks. We're calling it The Characters of Christmas, where we've been looking at uh, the nativity scene. And I have a quick video that I'll show here. When we consider the nativity, we've talked about this each week. It has that fixed set of characters, those that we are always accustomed to seeing. There, of course, is Mary and Joseph. Of course, the baby is there. There are the shepherds and there are the kings. In most of those creches, there is that star overhead and animals with their feet trough turned resting place below. The nativity scene has many characters. Some present in those earliest moments and some have been placed there like the wise men much later. But we place them there in remembrance of their acts of love. And yet, as I've said each week, the scene has been so romanticized by time and culture that there's so much about them that we fail to consider. And so this series has been an attempt to look at the characters of Christmas, their stories that we often misplace. Because the truth is, these figures were central to its coming about, and so we should consider them. And so these past few weeks, we've been talking about them. The first week, it was the room maker, the one who made room for Jesus. Not the innkeeper, no, 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 not the one whose responsibility it was to make room for Jesus. But Joseph, the one who made room in his life through an act of obedience for Jesus in his story. And then last week, we looked at the peace finders, those shepherds who heard that there was peace on earth. And the reality that peace, it didn't just show up where they were at. They had to go and find it. And that's the way it is in our lives. Peace is not promised. It's offered. But if we're going to have peace in our lives, then there's a journey to get there. And it's a methodical journey. We preached about that last week. Uh, But this week, I want to take just one more look at the story. And this week it will be through the account of Matthew. In Matthew chapter number 2, beginning at verse number 1, I will read through the 12th verse, so uh, just bear with me. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star... In the east, that's important there. And we have come to worship him. When Herod, the king, heard this, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And so they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king... 
When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child and Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And finally, verse number 12, it says of these men that then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed to their own country another way. This text about these wise men and the star. I want to preach to you today on this thought, the light of Christmas. The light of Christmas. Before you're seated, if you would just close your eyes and bow your head one more time with me. Lord, we thank you for your presence that is most certainly here in this place today. We pray, God, that while your word is always anointed, that it would be anointed on my lips and that it would touch every heart that your will and purpose would be accomplished in this house today let every heart hear what the spirit would have to say today we thank you and everybody said in Jesus name amen amen you can be seated now I'm trying to control these slides from my phone and I think it stopped working and so you you maybe made it through verse number seven (laughs) The light of Christmas. It is one of my favorite parts about Christmas. It's the Christmas lights. Anybody like Christmas lights? Not so much putting them up. I I don't want anything to do with that now. Uh, But looking at them, admiring the handiwork of others, now that I am in favor of. I'm all about that. Just uh, yesterday, we drove through uh, Jim and Heather's neighborhood, and uh, we were judging everyone. You can judge, you know, you can judge people uh, at Christmas time. Uh, we're judging just the handiwork of various people and, and giving out awards. If you drove by my town home, I would get no award. We have no lights on the outside of our house this year, and it ain't changing because the boys haven't mentioned anything about it. <laughs> Have you ever plugged in your pre-lit tree? The tree that you paid the money so that you don't have to string it with lights. And there's like a whole section that's not lit up. And you got to go searching for the burnout light. Or maybe plugged a long strand in only to find that just one causes the rest to be out too. I read of this customer who went into the store looking for Christmas lights and uh, the associate said, he said, I showed her our top brand but wanted to make sure that each bulb worked. She asked me to take them out of the box and to plug them in. So I did and I lit and each one lit up. Great, she said. I carefully placed the string of lights back in the box, but as I handed them to her, she looked at alarm and she said, No, 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 I don't want that box. That one's already been opened. <laughs> lights at Christmas. Of course, before bulbs, and this is quite dangerous, before bulbs, they would use candles and put candles on previously live trees and would hang them on the tree. People love the lights at Christmas. 
Annie and I, we went to New York City once at Christmas time. Actually, she was pregnant with Parker, so it's been several years ago now. And, um, and we took a walk over to Rockefeller Center where each year this tree is brought in. It's a lot more uh, significant than uh, the tree at the White House, in case you're wondering. It's uh, nearly 80 foot tall, and I read that 45,000 lights are on that tree over five miles of wiring. What a sight. <coughs> 750,000 people will visit it every day. There are not that many people driving by my townhome looking at the lights. But there's something about the lights at Christmas. It's just a small little thing, the, the light. And yet, those little lights pierce through the darkness. And the void of night is replaced by the grim glimmer of light at Christmas time. The darkness of winter is defeated by just one small light. People will bundle up. They'll go outside just to look at the lights of Christmas. And so it is in our text today. Matthew shares with us an account of that first Christmas story. And it's interesting to me at least that... In this version of the most important event that will ever take place in the history of humanity, he spends only eight verses of writing to describe the birth of Jesus Christ. In fact, the birth itself is only covered in one verse, the last verse of Matthew chapter 1. It isn't until you, it, it, that is, of course, until you get to the second chapter of the gospel when suddenly he begins to describe some of those standard fixtures of the traditional nativity when he introduces the men that he calls the wise men. But even in that introduction, we are left to wonder quite a lot about these men and the details surrounding them. We're not told how many there were. We, we've kind of narrowed it down to three because they brought three gifts. But uh, the Bible doesn't tell us how many wise men there were. Had they been wise women, there would have been certainly a lot more of them. But it was just wise men. And so we're not told how many of them there were. We're just, we just know that they brought three gifts. We, we, we aren't told where they came from. It's just they came from the east. Many, of course, have, have tried to estimate and to, uh, to guess and, and postulate, wondering where did these men come from? How far was their journey? And, and, and some would even recount and say that, that they believed that these wise men traveled around a thousand miles to get to Jesus, traveling some two years uh, in this journey because by the time they make it to Jesus, He is not in the manger anymore. No, the Bible says of Him in Matthew chapter number 2, He is a young child. But we know one thing for certain about these wise men. We know what it was that caused them to take the journey and what it was that compelled them to bring these expensive Gifts. The Bible says they came to worship the king of the Jews. These men, these wise men, they came with worship on their hearts and on their minds, with gifts in their hands and with determination in their steps. Why? They were fueled uh, that, uh, by this journey so great because they had seen something that compelled them that they wanted to worship. They did all of that. Why? Because they saw a light. 
the light of Christmas. They knew, these men did, that the journey would be worth it. Why? Because there was something worthy of their worship. Whatever they had to fight through, whatever they had to traverse, whatever pain they would have to endure on this journey, whatever expense the gift required, there was no minimum placed on this gift. There was no, there was no expense that would be too great. There was no journey that was too far. Why? Because they saw a star and they knew that the star meant that Jesus had been born. It was not convenient to worship Him, but they were wise, not just because they were able to read and understand the meaning of stars. They were wise because they knew that Jesus was worthy of worship even when it was not convenient. It was not cheap to worship Jesus. The gifts that they were offering Him, they were not inexpensive. They were not found in the $5 store. Oh no. They were some of the most valuable treasures in the world of that day. But they were wise because they knew that whatever it cost to worship Jesus, it was worth it. I preach to you today and I tell you that Jesus is worthy of our worship. Jesus is worthy of every sacrifice that I give him. There is no wisdom in worshiping God only when it is convenient. There is no wisdom in giving God only what's in our budget. But when we are, uh, when we get to the place where we say, I'll give God inconvenient praise, we are wise men and we are wise women. When we get to the place where we say, it doesn't matter what it costs me. It doesn't matter what I've got to give up. It doesn't matter what I've got to fight through in order to worship Him. When I get to that place, I am a wise man and woman. I'll give God inconvenient praise. I'll go to church when it's inconvenient. I'll commit my heart and life to Him even though it's going to cost me something. I'll give God sacrificial gifts. Why? Because I saw a light. I saw something that tells me, that compels me to believe that the king has been born. They were wise men. Of course, they were wise in that they had learned astronomy, astrology, and enchantment. So the kings and rulers of that day, they would look to wise men. You can find it even throughout the Old Testament. They would call for wise men to interpret dreams, to to try to discern the time that they were living in. They were wise men. But I read one statement about these magi, magi, these wise men, when it says that they were trained to be diligent observers and to keep meticulous records of everything they observed. They had an eye for detail which made them sensitive to any patterns and anomalies that arose in the data that they were continually collecting. Notice this now. They were able to recognize from perhaps a thousand miles away something that the chief priest and Herod and all of the faithful observers of Torah and those who lived closer to Jesus. Herod was only six miles away and yet they totally missed that Jesus had been born because there's something that happens when you are a wise man or a wise woman. You can recognize the star. You can see the light that's piercing through the darkness. Oh, oh, that star, yes, yes, it's been placed above every nativity. But only a few saw it for what it was on that day. 
the Christmas light. And yet these men, because they were looking, they were constantly observing, they were focused on the signs. The Bible says that they saw the star in the east, some thousand miles away perhaps. And i got to preach to you today and tell you that there is plenty of evidence that Jesus is alive and well, that Jesus has been born, that God is very much alive. Sure, there's plenty of darkness around. If you want to focus on those things, you can turn on the news and you can read the newspaper. You can go to the political rallies and and you can begin to immerse yourself in all of those things. And, And before long, you'll get discouraged and you'll think, oh, there's only darkness around. There's only problems. There's only chaos. And to be sure, I'm not dismissing the darkness. We live in a world that that is concerned by darkness in so many ways and attacks on our school system and attacks on our morals and our values there's a whole lot of things that we could preach about about that and maybe it's appropriate from time to time to focus on it but if we are not careful we can be so focused on the darkness that that we would miss the light that somehow, some way that there's something that's happening in the sky that everything is not as it was before and while there's a bad news feeling uh, that, that fills the press if we would look around There's a light this Christmas shining that tells a testimony that God is at work. I preach to you today and I tell you God is at work in your family. God is at work in this city. God is at work in this church. And but, but you've got to you've got to be diligent. You've got to be looking for the signs. If you're not looking for it, you won't find it. And if the enemy can keep you distracted, you'll miss the testimony that God is at work in your life. If the enemy can keep you focused on the negative, then you'll miss the fact that there's a star in the east that somehow, some way, God is moving and God is working. So you've got to be able to see the star. And to recognize that everything is not as it was before. But here's what I really want you to understand today. And I will not preach but just for a few more moments. The star was not the great light in the nativity. The Bible says that the star appeared after Jesus was born. I read that my study this week and something dawned on me I began to think of another time not not at the opening of Matthew the beginning of the New Testament but all the way back to Genesis the beginning of the Old Testament of time it says in God said Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons for days and years and Let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. Just a few words to describe what happens there. And God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was Good In the evening, notice this now, and the morning were the fourth day. And yet, it was not on the fourth day when God created light. God created light not on the fourth day, but on the first day. When darkness consumed the earth, the Bible says, God said, let there be light 
and there was light. So in the Old Testament, before there were stars and a sun, there was light. And God echoes the same truth in the New Testament. When they see that star in the east, they recognize that light in the sky. It was not the genesis of the light of the New Testament. It was not the great light of the nativity. Oh no, it has its place to be sure. But as it was in the Old Testament, the stars only testified of a truth that already existed, that the darkness had been defeated and light was shining. Before there was ever a star to testify of it, it was already true that God had created light. And before the star ever appeared to the wise men, the light had already come on the earth. They could not see it, but there was a testimony in the sky. And I tell you today that there is a great light of Christmas, but it is not the star that they followed. In fact, Isaiah would tell the story of this light in Isaiah chapter number 9, beginning in verse number 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them has the light shined. That's a message not just for Israel, but for you and I. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. How many know that where you were before God found you was darkness? That the world that you were born into and you lived in, it was darkness. But the testimony of Christmas is they have seen a great light. And those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them as the light shine. You have multiplied the nation and have have increased uh, the joy. And then it goes on in the verse that we're most familiar with in verse number 6. How do we know all this has happened? Why? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He said there is light that is coming. There is a day that the darkness is going to be defeated. There is a moment in time that's going to happen where the light is going to shine. And it is not the star that you see, but it's one that that that, that star only testifies of. It is the great Light And what is it? The Bible says in Luke chapter number 2 in that Christmas story, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. That is the testimony of the angels, of the word of God as it, it prophesies and speaks over the nativity scene. I just got to preach to you for a few moments today and tell you that Jesus Christ is that light. And because he came, there is light in our world and there can be light in your world. And the greatest thing that you could do is make up in your mind, I'm going to find that light and I'm going to live in that light now. I'm not going to live in darkness. I'm not going to live in, in, in the pitch black of night. I will find the light. There was light before the stars. And so it was in the New Testament. There was light before they ever saw a glimmer in the sky. And I tell you that you may not even see light yet. You may not even see the evidence of it yet. You may look and say, I don't know how God is working. I I don't know how God is moving. I don't know how God can see where I'm at. Oh, But that star, it's only testimony of something that has already happened. The light has come. Some 30 years later, Jesus would stand and declare, I am the light 
of the world. Jesus is the Christmas light. John would say, that light shines in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not or could not overcome or seize or capture it. The light is shining, and it is that light that we celebrate this Christmas. A light shining, overcoming the darkness, the light of Christmas. I'm going to have Jim, if you'll come help me. We uh, want to pass out candles. And I want to just take a moment today. Because when we consider the nativity, sure, the star is impressive. The star is, is miraculous. They, 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 they've tried to figure out how, how did it come? Was it Jupiter and some other planet, some other thing? that uh, They're right here, Brother G. I'm sorry. You've got to find the light, praise God. That's the way it works. <laughs> See how wise you are. They're trying to, well, maybe it, was a, maybe it was a comet. Maybe it was this, maybe it was that. Well, really, it's unimportant. Because the truth is, it was only a testimony of that true light. It was His star, the Bible says. What a beautiful thing. And so, at Christmas, Christians have use candles and since the invention of light bulbs light bulbs to signify Christ on Christmas and so this afternoon we want to take a moment and we want to pause to do the same as they begin to pass out the candles we can stand to our feet and uh that right in front of you is, is that lighter and so if you could get me a candle see how this lighter works you cut the lights so Christians have used candles so it was we consider for a moment today that on that silent night though while it was silent on earth we understand it was not silent in heaven or the heavenlies while the angels proclaimed it, the wise men saw it. They made their way finally after this long journey. The Bible says the star stood over where Jesus was. And then, finally then, they saw the light. That old chorus I remember singing growing up, I saw the light. I believe that's the testimony that should be on every heart. You got to see the light. That in Him we live and move and have our being. He is our hope, our 
light. So first we light this single candle in, in thought and remembrance that He is the light. Remembering His birth, remembering His mission. But also when we light this candle today, we, we do more than consider just that He came and was born. We also must remember what He has done for us. We sang it earlier, I'm living in the light now. That God has blessed us and kept us and poured favor upon us. And so we pause to consider the goodness of God in our lives. That without that light, we would be living in darkness still. We would be living without hope, without a future, without a plan. But because He came, we have light. But here is that last important point. He didn't just come to be light. But once He came as light, there was testimonies. There were testimonies that the light had come. That star that the wise men followed, it was the testimony of the greater light and so it was that Jesus looks at his disciples and says in Matthew chapter number 5 verse 14 you are the light of the world you see we're not the light we're just testimonies of the light and so as we approach this Christmas season we we've got to also be light to our families and our friends We've got to consider the fact, the truth that He came and His desire of us and for us is that we would serve as testimonies that the light has come, that the light has, sh has shined into darkness. Matter of fact, Isaiah would say of, of that truth, Arise, and shine for the light has come because the light came we can shine because of what God has done in us and for us we can shine and then he says finally in Matthew 5 16 let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven as they come to prepare to sing this Christmas chorus, I, I would ask you to just bow your heads for just a moment. We're not going to have a traditional altar call. But I do believe that the power of the Word of God, as I always say, is connected to our ability and our willingness to respond to it. And so right there where you're standing, I'd ask that you would bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment. And I want you to ask yourself, have I found the light? Am I willing to to do anything and go anywhere how far am I willing to go to find the light you see those men they were willing to travel a great distance and yet Herod couldn't go six miles have you found the light are you willing to do anything to worship the light are you willing to give anything to the light every head bowed every eye closed let's pray a prayer Jesus we love you I thank you for our church family that is gathered here today for, the, for that reminder, God, that you came and brought light. A light that shined into the darkness. A light that, 
that pierced every dark place. My darkness, my, my hopelessness, my, my hurt, my shame, my fear, my doubt. The light has come. Help us to be like those wise men willing to do whatever, to go wherever, to give whatever so that we can find the light. Now why don't we sing this chorus all together as a church family. And then after we finish the chorus, you can, you can consider yourself dismissed. Find somebody, greet them. But let's sing together before we leave.